Revelation chapter 4 as we return to our study through the book of Revelation. Let's go ahead and pray once more. Lord God, we ask you bless your word today. God, that you would speak to us. Lord, as we get deep into your word, God, may we get deep into you, Jesus. May you stir our hearts up, Lord, just like seeing Elena and Alko going, God, it stirs my heart, Lord, for the mission you've given us here, right here in our own community, on our own island here on Maui, Lord. And we ask, God, that you stir us up, Lord, as we understand what's coming, as we understand, Lord, what's coming so soon, and that's your return, Lord. And so I pray for your anointing now by your spirit on your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Years ago in Birmingham, Alabama, a most unusual thing happened to this minister. Pastor Taylor was walking past a construction site when suddenly he began rising up in the air. He really thought he was going to heaven. And he shouted excitedly, I'm going home in the rapture. But what actually happened was from that construction site, a crane had somehow snagged his clothing and was lifting him up. In the article, they said he was disappointed that he even quit the church. <laughs> that God, He thought God played a practical joke on him. <laughs> well, the reality is that the rapture is coming, and it's about to happen. Today, as we return to the book of our study in the book of Revelation, we find a transition from the letters to the churches to the section moving into the time of the tribulation. And in this transition, it speaks of the end of the church age. And I see this, I believe, the rapture right here, which tells us that the time of the tribulation comes after the time of the church. And so I titled our, our message today, After These Things. After these things. Now, we're going to be studying this morning just one verse out of Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. We're going to go deep into this, and uh, there's much to talk about. That's why I'm just taking one verse here this morning. Uh, Next time, we're going to take the rest of the chapter. But today, Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, after these things. Now, there's three things we're going to see is, number one, this is our outline, the shift to what's next. Number two, the summons to come up. And number three, the specifics to be revealed. So that's what we're going to be covering here in this verse. So let's look at number one in our outline, the shift to what's next. The shift to what's what's next. Now we're going to take this little by little in Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. But first of all, let's just uh, uh, together, you know what, let's stand and let's just read together verse 1 in honor of the Lord. Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, it says, After this I looked, and behold a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. You may be seated. So we begin with these two words now in verse 1, After this. It's a Greek word, uh, metatauta. Uh, it, it literally means after these things. And the New King James translated that way. And that's why uh, I titled this after these things. Well, after what? 
After what things? What are we talking about? Well, obviously, we see as we come into chapter 4, it's after chapter 3, after chapter 2. And what we're really talking about, it's after the letters to the churches that we had studied in these past, what, month or so, right? We've been going through each of the churches, each of the letters that Jesus had given to the seven uh, churches there, the seven letters to the churches. So it's after the letter to the churches. But I believe it's also speaking about after the time of the churches. Now, now as we come into chapter 4, chapter 4 marks the beginning of the next section of the book of Revelation. We're moving into the next section, which is really the last section, which is the rest of the book of Revelation after what we study in chapter 1, 2, and 3, and as we move into chapter 4. Four. So this marks the shift to what's next. Just by those two words, after this, marks the shift to what's next. Now, turn back to chapter 1, verse 19. If you remember in chapter 1, just to turn to the left, you remember verse 19 I mentioned to you guys back then that the book of Revelation really comes in with this built-in outline of the whole book. And verse 19 says, Right therefore, Jesus is telling John, the things that you have seen, those that are, and those that are to take place, metatauta, after this. So remember, remember, this was our outline to the book of Revelation. These are the major sections. Jesus gives John this three-point Three outline, three headings here for the book of Revelation. And he tells them right there for, first of all, the things that you have seen. So John saw what? Jesus there, right at, in the first chapter. So chapter one, John writes things that you have seen. And he writes of the past. So chapter one is about the past. Then he goes on in verse 19. He asked John to write those that are. In other words, those things that are of the present. And that covers, if you remember, chapter 2 and 3, the letters to the churches at that time, in the ancient time. So this, those letters went out to the seven churches, which remember we talked about went out to all the churches at that time. We applied it in different ways in, in, in our own lives today, in our, our church age and uh, what's been going on with the church, but primarily it was about the present. So chapter 1 the things that you have seen is about the past. Chapter 2 and 3, it speaks of the present when, G when Jesus tells John, write therefore those that are, the things that are. Then finally, at the end of verse 19 here in Revelation chapter 1, he says, write those that are to take place after this. So that speaks of the future now. So Jesus is asking John in this outline in Revelation 1.19 that you're going to be writing these things of the past, of the present, and now the future. And now we have come to that place in chapter 4. So, so the past, right, is chapter 1. Chapter 2 and 3 is the present. And now from chapter 4 to all the way to the end, to chapter 22 of Revelation, is the third section, the third part, and it's all about the future. 
And then it's going to include, and we're going to talk about this, the tribulation years, the seven years of tribulation, and also the second coming of Jesus Christ. It's going to talk about the millennium that comes after that. It's going to talk about the new heaven and earth at the end of Revelation. So all of these things are of the future, and this is where we're at. We are looking at what is next now, after the churches. So after the letters to the churches, which is after the time of the church, John is now shown the future events. Now, I want to share with you that not everyone sees the book of Revelation containing future events. There's basically four approaches to the book of Revelation. I want to quickly give these to you. Um, the four views of eschatology, that's the theological word for end time study for last day study or end of the world study eschatology and there's basically four views and the first view is called the preterist view the preterist view now the preterist view they they say the prophecies in revelation has come to pass already it's been done already the latin word uh, a preter means past so the events of Judaism and Christianity, Rome, the apostles, they were all fulfilled, and many predators believe, by 70 A.D., which was the destruction of the Jewish temple back then. And so they believe, well, these prophecies are over. It's been done. It was future for them, but no, it's not future for us anymore. It's in the past. I like something Pastor Chuck always used to say, a, a, a kind of, in his view, not agreeing with the preterists is that if it's true, then Satan must have a very long chain. Because we know at the end of Revelation, he's put into prison. So that's the preterist view. Number two is the historical view. The historical view. It says that this view says that Revelation describes church history from John's time even all the way up to the time of the coming of Jesus Christ. It connects events with what we what the, what's in Revelation with the fall of the Roman Empire, of Catholicism, of the Pope coming into power. The, they even say the invasion of the Huns, uh, the spread of Islam, the Reformation that happened, and even the modern missionary movement. So that's the historical view. But for me, we're going to see there's some specific. Uh, days that are mentioned in the timeline of the tribulation, like 1,260 days. Uh, uh, it's mentioned in Revelation, which is the time of, of the half of the tribulation until Jesus returns. So there's actually a time within that, and we know at the end of the seven years tribulation that Jesus returns. And so uh, it, they look at it that way in this historical way. Now there's the idealist view. Number three is the idealist view. They say the prophecies here in the book of Revelation are all allegories and symbols on this ongoing battle between God and his people and Satan. So they look at everything here, the prophecies here, as this whole allegorical kind of uh, 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 things that are going on. Like, well, this is a symbol of this going on today and a symbol of this going on today. And so there's no real events, no real persons, none of that that are going on. No real Antichrist. It's just, oh, a guy like the Antichrist in that sense. But you know what? The problem with that is, and this is what I feel, you, when you look at you know, Revelation all like that, you then make the book of Revelation say what 
you want it to say. And, and I'll tell you, that's never a good way to interpret what the Bible says. Finally, the fourth view. I mean, we have the preterist, the historical view, the idealist view. Finally, the fourth view is the futurist view. It interprets the prophecy as future events, that of just what it is. Uh, it takes the literal approach as much as possible first and then considers uh, the symbolic meaning, perhaps, of some of these prophecies. And that's what I hold to. I hold to the futurist view. And that's our, 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 our approach. And I'm going to let you know that as we get into the rest of this book, the next section of this future, I see after this is speaking about the future that is to come. That's our approach to the study of the book of Revelation. And you know what? That's the same approach we take anyway when we study the Bible, correct? Isn't, isn't that what, what, what we do anyway, as you guys have been sitting with me? We get into what the Bible says. MacArthur confirms this approach saying, saying this, On this approach, talking about the futurist views, allows revelation to be interpreted following the same literal, grammatical, historical, hermeneutical method by which non-prophetic portions of Scripture are interpreted. So we're not going to change, right, how we study the Bible. We're going to keep getting into the Bible just as we, we have been, same as we get into prophecy in the book of Revelation. So we find here right away, Jesus transitions to what's coming next in the future of the world. So when we read after this, that's the idea. Jesus transitions to what's coming next in the future of the world. Did you know for $75,001.88, you can send your DeLorean to a shop in Dallas, Texas, and they will convert your car into a time machine. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. It, you can look it up. It's on eBay. Uh, this company offers to make your car just like the one in the Back to the Future movies. Installed are, I quote, they say, all the famous electronics seen in our photos and videos, including the flux capacitor, uh, uh, plutonium gauges, spectrum ana analyzer, time drive switch, digital speedometer, and much more. They say you can have Mr. Fusion put in, that, in the back there, and for an extra cost, the plutonium chamber. How do you like that? Get one of those cars. Of, of course, you know, it really doesn't work, right? As a time machine into the future. But then again, wouldn't it be nice to have a time machine? Your car can go, you know, into the future. I think we all wonder that. I think we all wonder what is going to happen in the future. Well, what's going to happen after this? What's going to happen after my kids are grown? And they're gone. What's going to happen after um, my daughter graduates college? She's going to graduate college this month. You know, what's going to happen with her life now? What's going to happen? What will life be like after this? What's going to happen after my job ends, this project ends? What's going to happen after this? What's going to happen after the coronavirus, right? When it calms down, what's going to be the world in that way? What's going to happen after I get the vaccine? Or what's going to happen with this? Now the new president is in office. What's going to happen after this? What's going to happen now? After all this has been going on to this country, 
What's going to happen after all this? What will the world be like? Well, I'll tell you what. We don't need no time machine. We have it right here. That's what we're going to find here in our studies. God knows the future. And he's telling John what the future is going to be for this world. Right here. What's going to happen here? And so God knows the future. God knows your future. And so we can trust God that, you know what? All things are under his control. He has it handled there. No worry. Sometimes we fear like, oh, after this, oh no. But take comfort. As we get into the prophecy of the future here, you know, it only tells us that God knows and he has it all under control. No matter what's going to happen to this world. It's been said, history is really his story. And I like that. In the end, right, Jesus is going to come. And this is all going to be about him. So, God knows what's after these things. And so we see, number one, the shift to what's next. Now, number two, the summons to come up. Now, the summons to come up. And here we come into this next part. Look at chapter 4, verse 1. Once again, it says, After this, I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard him speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here. And we'll stop right there. Now, John looks up, and he saw this door standing open to heaven. And you know what? I love that. I love that. God is like inviting John. Hey, come. He's inviting John to come up and get this glimpse of heaven, to enter in. Now, in the rest of the book of Revelation, I want you to understand that we're not going to only see what's going to happen on earth, but you know what? We're going to also see what's going to be happening in heaven at that time also. And really, the rest of chapter 4 and going into chapter 5, we're going to be brought into heaven and what's going on behind the scenes and the workings of God and what's going on before we see what's going to be going on down on the earth. So, we'll see more of that next time. So then, John says, here's this open door, this invitation, and that first voice. Who's that first voice? Do you know? Jesus, right? Who's been speaking this whole time? Jesus from chapter 1. Jesus has been dictating the letters to the churches in chapter 2 and 3 to John. And so that's the first voice. This is Jesus who spoke in these chapters. And then John says here in verse 1 that the first voice which I heard speaking to me like a trumpet. Now, we've heard that and seen that before back in chapter 1 verse 10. John writes, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. And we studied that back then as Jesus spoke. It was Jesus calling John. Back then, the trumpet in ancient time was to call people to worship, to call people to come, to call the army to do different things. So here's this trumpet, uh, 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 Jesus' voice, like a trumpet, calling him, calling him to do what? Well, here it says in verse 1 again, come up here. The doors open to heaven, John sees it, and hears his trumpet call like this call, like he, he's used to hearing, and hears Jesus' voice, come up here. 
inviting him, welcoming him into heaven to see what we're going to see next, next time. So like a trumpet call in the ancient time, Jesus called John to come up to heaven. This was the summons to come up and join him, to join Jesus. That's the summons to come up. John is called to Jesus. And I want you to see something here. As John is called up to join Jesus, you know what? So the church will be called one day to come to Jesus when the rapture happens. Think about that. Just as John was called up, so will the church be called up to be with Jesus Christ. I think what I see here in verse 1 of chapter 4 in Revelation, I think what happened to John will be just like what will happen to the church in the rapture. Just like that. The church will be called up to be with Jesus in heaven. And did you know, with the sound of a trumpet. I want you to see this. Turn to 1 Thessalonians now, chapter 4, verse 16 and 17. 1 Thessalonians, turn to the left. 1 Thessalonians, chapter 4. Now last year, when we, in our studies in 1 Thessalonians, we went over this, but I want to remind you, I want you to see this again with your own eyes here, what Paul had written about, what God had revealed to Paul. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16, it says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with what? The sound of the trumpet of God. There's that call, a trumpet going forth. And, and Paul writes in verse 16, And the dead in Christ will rise first. And then verse 17, Then we who are alive or are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. These are the two scriptures that we learn about the rapture of the church. Now there's a trumpet here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And like Jesus, his voice was like a trumpet to John. This is what I see in Revelation chapter 4. The word caught up here in verse 17 of 1 Thessalonians 4 is the Greek word harpazo. And it means suddenly seized upon. It means uh, snatched up. The Latin word is raptus. So the Latin translation of the Bible is, is raptus, which is where we get that word rapture. And so that's how we talk about the rapture of the church right here. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 and 17. So, back to Revelation 4. After this, John looks up, hears the trumpet, and he's going to be transported into heaven. And Jesus is saying, come up. That's just like 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, the rapture of the church. Now, we're going to get into this in the next section, but I believe that, that this is a reference even to the rapture. When we read in verse 1 of chapter 4, Revelation, that after this, after what? The, the churches, right? After, now we go into the future event, the church is going to be taken up into heaven, just like John is here in the rapture. Now, you can see here that I, I see things as, as the, the church's rapture and then the tribulation events. Well, not everybody sees things that way. 
When the angel sounds a call in Revelation chapter 11, and, or, or sounds a trumpet, I should say, uh, the, the, uh, many people believe, some believe, I would say, the rapture happens in the middle of the tribulation. That's called the mid-trib view. Uh, the, but for me, in Revelation 11, and I'll talk about that more when we get to that, uh, it's this angel that's blowing the trumpet. Whereas in 1 Thessalonians, we read it was the trumpet of God that Jesus himself is calling the church up. Now, some say that the rapture will come at the end of the tribulation. So the church actually goes through those years of tribulation. This is called the post-trib view. There's a mid-trib, like in the middle of tribulation, and their post-trib view at the end of the tribulation when Jesus returns. But for me, I think about in Jude 14, it says Jesus returns with ten thousands of his saints, or really it's a word that means thousands and thousands and thousands and, you know, uh, uncountable, innumerable number of uh, believers, uh, that Jesus is going to return in that way. And that's us, by the way. So for me, it doesn't make sense. The rapture happens, we go up, and then we come right back down when Jesus returns. It's kind of like doing a bungee jump, you know, boing, boing, boing. Yeah. I, I, to me, that doesn't make sense. But what I believe is what I see what's happening to John here is after the letters to the churches, after that time, before the tribulation, the church is taken up. And that's the pre-trib view, a pre-tribulation view. You know, it's interesting here. I want to give you a little, little, little trivia. It's interesting. From chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, right? And then after chapter 4, the word church is not mentioned until there's references in the end. Now we're going to see a scene of believers in heaven and all that. But it's interesting from chapter 1, 2, and 3, the church is mentioned 19 times. But after this, it's not really mentioned until really the very end when uh, things are being closed up and we see a scene in heaven. So let me just say this. We find here, as Jesus called up John to be with him in heaven, so this will be the point in time when the church is called up. And that's what I want you to see. As Jesus called up John to be with him in heaven, so this will be the point in time when the church is called up after this. A teacher in a Keiki church class asked how many wanted to go to heaven. All hands, all hands went up excitedly, except for one child. The teacher asked, why don't you want to go to heaven? The little girl said, because my mommy told me to come home right after church. You know, when we talk about the rapture, about believers going home to heaven to be with the Lord, when we talk about how suddenly God will call us and we'll be home with Him before the whole thing unravels with the tribulation years, when we talk about the rapture, you're going to either be excited, you're going to either not care about what I'm talking about, or you're going to be, you're going to have fear. What reaction is rolling in your heart as we're focusing today on the rapture of the church? What reaction is in your heart? Is there fear? Could be maybe because there's sin in your life. Maybe because you've you got to take care of some things you know you've been rebelling or you've been willingly not following God. And so when you hear the word 
rapture, it, it kind of brings some fear into your, your, your heart. Well, you know what? You need to take care of that. You need to take care of that. Whether I, you hear the word rapture or not, we're to live before our God, the one who saved us. In obedience to Him, living for Him. And if you start living for yourself and living in the flesh and not the new life He's given you, and you go against the Lord and the Word, you're in sin. And it hurts God's heart. It grieves Him. It grieves the Spirit and His work in your life. And if you hear the word rapture, then you know what? Let it be a time in that you feel that fear, maybe conviction. You should get right with God. Go to Jesus, take care, take care of it right now. Go to the cross and He will forgive you. Maybe when you hear the word rapture, ah, you don't really care. It's like, oh, whatever. Yeah, whatever. So it just goes one through one ear and out the other ear. Well, if that's you, I hope you understand the consequences of your decision in Rejecting God. Just say that. So maybe it'll get your attention. But maybe when you hear the word the rapture, maybe you get excited. Maybe you're excited because you want to be with Jesus. Maybe you're excited because, you know, I'm done with this world. I'm done. <laughs> I'm going to go home. Paul, already. I'm done with this old body falling apart. Yeah. But the most important thing is going home to heaven and being with God forever, yeah? Forever into eternity. Maybe you're excited because of your love for Jesus. I hope we're all excited today when we talk about the rapture. You know, think about in 1 Corinthians 15, 51, verse 52. Um, think, think, think about what Paul wrote there. And, and he said here, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. We'll be changed. We'll get our glorified body. And the rapture is going to happen like, like, like he wrote here, in the twinkling of an eye. You know, you know what that is? That, that, that's, not, that, that's a rapid eye movement. A blinking, when your eye blinks, that's one-fiftieth of a second. Uh, a twinkle is the rapid eye movement, and that's one billionth of a second. It's like, poof. It's like faster than we probably can even think of. And can you imagine millions of Christians around the world disappearing all at once? Once, I'm looking forward to that. You can see why the millions of people disappearing in the world is going to be turned into chaos, I believe, and that's going to be part of ushering this whole tribulation time coming in. But this is what we look forward to. This is what I'm excited about. Jesus said in John 14, 2 and 3, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. I want to be with Jesus. Maybe it'll happen right now. 
<laughs> I can't wait. How about you? So when I read these words after these things, when I see the, the door of heaven open here in verse 1 in Revelation 4, when I, when, when I see John write his, uh, Jesus' voice is calling me like a trumpet, saying, come up here. Oh, Lord, I can't wait for the summons to come up. Let's go to number three now. The season to be revealed. After these things, the shift to what's next, the summons to come up, and number three, the season to be revealed. And now, come to the last part in our study this morning, the last part of verse one. And he says at the end of verse one, and I will show you what must take place after this. So Jesus here communicates to John, come on up. Because I'm going to show you some future events. I'm going to show you what, notice what he says, what must now take place. The Greek word means what's inevitable, what's, what is necessary. What God is saying, what must be done. These events that we're going to be seeing throughout the rest of this book, they are things that, that must happen that, I should say, will come to pass as God must judge the world. That's what's going on. That all this, all the sin, all the rebellion, all that even we've seen prophesied that's going to be coming, how, the, the falling away, yeah, all has to come to a point of judgment before a holy God. So Jesus shows John what happens next here in the rest of this book. This is, this is the season to be revealed, our heading. This is the season of judgment. After that will be Christ's return and a millennium and then a new heaven and earth and, 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 and just, just things going on great after that. But right, but what has, has to happen first is the tribulation. That's what must take place. That's what's coming. The time and we'll see this, of seven years of tribulation. That's what's been prophesied. Seven years. Seven last years of this world as we know it. It's a time of severe judgment falling upon the world. Matthew twenty four twenty one. Jesus said this. He said, he told the disciples, for then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been from the beginning of the world until now, no, and never will be. That's what's coming, guys. This is what God is telling John and what is written here. So Jesus says, come up here and I will show you what must take place. And what's the last two words in verse 1? After this. After what? After the churches. The tribulation will come after the church age. You know, to me, it really coincides to what we, we learned in Daniel last year. It really coincides. I, I, I have memories of, of that time because we were on lockdown. We, we, we had to go online. And I remember going over to 70 weeks of, of Daniel, those prophecies. You can look them up. You can go back to them. I, I encourage you, if, if you don't remember or never heard that, go back to that and study that. But it coincides with that 70th week, that last week of Daniel, when God comes again and deals with Israel. And it will happen after the church is taken out. 
The church is taken to heaven, and then now God will focus in on Israel. Now we're going to see he's going to protect Israel during this time. He's going to keep them safe from the Antichrist, going after them. And many, many Jews are going to be saved in Jesus Christ. They're going to believe in Christ. We're going to be seeing that in the book of Revelation. So it coincides in all of that. But after this, after the letters to the churches, which means after the church age, then the tribulation will come. So, even if the first after this doesn't get you, the second after this, and at the end of verse 1, it should really speak to you. This means that the church is not going through the time of the tribulation. The church will not be there through this time of judgment that falls upon the world. Think about this throughout uh, the Bible. God delivers people from judgment. Noah and his family, right? Genesis 6 through 8. They were saved from the, the judgment of the flood, right? Or think about Genesis 19. Lot and his family, right? Before uh, God brought judgment, the, the fire and brimstone upon Sodom and Gomorrah, he had, the angels had to come and take him out of the city. Or you remember, just, just look back at verse uh, 10 of chapter 3. Remember the church to Philadelphia? Jesus tells them in chapter 3, verse 10 in Revelation, because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. So, before the time of the tribulation, when judgment falls upon the world, the church is taken out. Do you remember, and as a matter of fact, turn over there, once again, to 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, you remember this. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9. Paul writes here, and we studied this back then too, For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Why is that? Because why aren't we destined for wrath? Because we're saved by the blood of the Lamb. By Jesus Christ, we're covered, we're made righteous. We're not destined to go under the wrath and judgment that is to befall the world. We're not destined to go through the judgment in the tribulation. So, lastly, we find this. Jesus gives John a heads up to what's coming up. When the church age, age ends and the tribulation begins. So as we end here, our last point is Jesus gives John a heads up to what's coming up when the church age ends and the tribulation begins. Isn't this amazing to see this here just in this one verse? I think it's amazing. I think it, it really opens up a, a lot to us. But I believe it of understanding of, of the order of some of these e events. I think that, that opens that up to us. But understand this too. As we're studying this, Jesus is giving us a notice. Jesus is, is saying, heads up, you guys, just like with John. Heads up. After the church ages, the tribulation. Heads up. The rapture is coming. That's what he's saying to us today. 
You know, the other day um, I had a, 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 I don't know if you guys, you know, on your phones we get that emergency alert. Eh, you know, real annoying thing, but it gets your attention, right? Eh, 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 you know, kind of noise, right? And, and the other day it went off, right, during all those rains and there was a flood advisory and all of that. I don't know, that when it went off this last time, um, actually my phone didn't go off, but my wife's phone went off nearby. I'm thinking, what happened to my phone, you know? But, but right away, you know, it just brought memories back to remember that whole missile mistake time. <laughs> I was like, is it a missile? No. <laughs> but it's a heads up, right? It's like, hey, attention. It's an attention getter. It, it's, to, it's to get you to, something's happening. Something's coming. Something we got to be aware of. It's a warning, right? It's a heads up for all of us. You know, even on my phone these days, my phone is like my brain now. Yeah. I tend to forget more things. And, and, and so when I set appointments and different things that I need to do, I put it in my calendar. And, and I, I'm sure like you guys, I set alerts. Yeah. I put alerts in there. And, and did you know you can set more than one alert? You know, and sometimes there's some really important things. I'll like, I'll like set an alert like two days before. And I'll set another alert like one day before. And then I'll set an alert like, you know, an hour before. And I'll set another alert like 50 minutes before. What? You know, we set these alerts to remind us, okay, here's something that's coming. Here's something that, that, that's, that's, that's heading my way. Here's that something that I need to be attentive to. And you know what? That's what we have today. In Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, that's a notification alert to you and I today. Jesus is giving a heads up on what's coming very soon. And it's not, I'm not just talking about we're going to get into a study of what's coming up soon in the book of Revelation, but I'm talking about the rapture. I'm talking about we got to be ready today. we got to be right with God. we got to start living for the Lord. we got to stop wasting our time and start investing in the, in the eternal, not the temporal. we got to start being who we are in Christ because soon we're going to be home. When we're alerted to things, don't we prepare? Like sometimes my alerts, I'll prepare. Put it maybe like 45 minutes before because I know well, I got, uh, there's drive time. I got to take a shower before that. You know, get ready, all that stuff. Well, this is the alert for us today that we have to prepare today for what's coming very, very soon. Are you ready? Are you ready? If right as I speak, if the rapture were to happen, will you have regrets? And say, oh. I didn't do what I meant to do. I've been telling myself. Well, until the rapture comes, there is time. Today, we need to prepare our hearts. We need to be watching. We need to be ready. For that day and hour, we don't know when exactly that is, but it's going to come. It's been said the rapture is the next event on God's calendar. And I believe that. Things are set up already. As we go through the book of Revelation, I'm going to try and bring in some current events and things that show us that the stage is being set. The things and that's happening with Iran and the, the, the whole deal with the U.S. or the Middle East and the volatileness that's going on, what Israel's deciding to do with Russia. Russia Russia's boots is on the ground in the Middle East. They are all the stage getting set up. Even our own country. 
We need to be ready, you guys. Because after this means we'll not be here when all the horrible things fall upon the earth, when what, what the stage is being set for, when all that happens, the next chapters and what we're going to see in the book of Revelation, after this means we're not going to be here. After this means we're going to be in heaven. After this means Jesus is going to come for us, take us home to be with Him. What a nice thought, isn't that? And I'll tell you what joy that brings me. I'm excited, but I'm also, I'm so, I'm so joyous. I'm so happy. Are you happy about that? It should give us joy. That should bring us joy to our hearts. I'll close with this. This little boy was taken to the pet store so he could pick out a puppy for his birthday. He saw all the different dogs, all the different types, all the different sizes, all the different colors. When it came time to pick his puppy, he chose the dog saying this. He liked that one because he wagged his tail the most. When asked why he chose, like using that criteria, you know, to choose that puppy, the little boy said, because I want the one with a happy ending. (laughs) There is a happy ending, you guys, for the church, for you who have trusted Jesus for your salvation. So, you know, if you haven't done that, will you trust in Jesus today? Today is the day of salvation. Come to Jesus. Give him your life because time is running out before the rapture comes. And then when you come to Jesus, you too can have this joy. You too can be excited about Jesus coming back soon. And then you and I, can all have that happy ending because after these things. Let's pray. Jesus, after these things, after the church is taken home to the rapture, Jesus, we know that we will be with you, God. That before everything falls apart in this world, God, we have the comfort, we have the hope, and what we read in your word is our security to know, God, that you will not, Lord, have us be under your wrath, that we are saved now by the blood of the Lamb, of our Savior who died for us, God. And so, Lord, we are confident in this, in what we read. When we see the words, after this, after these things, after this, Lord, thank you, Jesus, that before everything falls apart, you will take us home. Thank you for your love for us, God. And so as we close up here this morning, God, shower upon us that confirmation of your love for us by continuing to speak to us about what the future holds for us as believers. And it's a happy ending. It's filled with joy where there's no more tears, no more pain. The place in heaven, God, where we will all be together, God. No more our, our battle with our fleshly old bodies, but we will have our new glorified bodies where we will see you, God, not darkly like now, but our eyes will be opened, the veil taken away, and we will literally see you and be face-to-face with you, Jesus. Oh, our heart beats so, so fast, thinking of these things because we love you, Jesus. So help us today 
to respond to the notification you've given us. And after this, you will be bringing on the judgment. But before all this, you will take us home. Let us be prepared today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship God. Let's all stand.